Good morning, everybody. Praise Jesus. Um, yes, let me, let me answer a question, and then we'll get started. I was gone last week, and praise Jesus, our sovereign Lord knows what we need before we do. And uh, two weeks, three weeks ago now, uh, Matt Ferris came up to me and said, hey, I want to do the second lesson ourselves. In other words, not have me teach it and then them do the, the uh, testimony part. He just wanted to do the whole thing. And I said, that's a no-brainer. Great. And then I found out the day before, uh, a week ago yesterday, that my dad fell, couldn't get up. Long story short, went to the hospital back home and stubborn and, you know, just like normal. So praise Jesus. And then tomorrow I am heading out, taking my son to college. So I'm spending very little time in Santa Maria this month. And uh, I, the Georgies will be leaving next week. For those of you who are participating in the vow renewal, you don't have to participate in the vow renewal, but those, for those of you who are, uh, you should have already been contacted and will be in contact with you again over time because the 29th is coming. Praise Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, let's take a moment and pray and we'll get started. Lord Jesus, we come to you because you are worthy. God, uh, help us this morning. Help us to hear what you have to say and to become the men and women, the husbands and wives that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Early in Donna and my marriage, we were talking to a counselor. You'll hear some of the reason why in a moment. Uh, and one of the things that she said that really went to my heart is, if you have a belly button, then you have separation and forgiveness issues. So I guess the question would be, raise your hand, were you born with the belly button? And the answer is all of us. And so one of the absolute non-negotiables, if someone comes into me for counseling, whether it's couple counseling or not, one of the very first things I do after we spend a session kind of finding out what the hard issues are is talk about forgiveness. One pastor who influenced me early in my ministry, but I haven't heard from since, oh well, a guy named Dan Brown said this. He said, forgiveness is a decision about the future, not a feeling about the past. Now I have a question. Does anybody here have, oh, I have slides. Um, sorry. Let's see. Are you able to do that, son? Do both? Um, yeah, we'll come back to this. Go, go to the next slide. Uh, does it, anybody here have anything they need to forgive their spouse about? Anybody been married more than 24 hours here? <laughs> yeah. Anybody married less than 24 hours and need to forgive your spouse about something, right? Forgiveness is a decision about the future, not a feeling about the past. One of the things that we'll learn today is that your feelings about that past may be at level 10. 
But that's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is not about how you feel about what happened. Forgiveness is about how are you going to move forward in this life. So I want to say this, and I'm going to say it again. Forgiveness, I have a two-part definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness, number one, is trusting the promise that God will settle all debts. God will settle all debts. Can you see what slides are coming? Okay. Do I have a slide for this? Oh. Oh, that one's turned off. Okay, got it. All right. That's why. I'm like, I don't see anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, son. It's not your fault. Um, trust, the, to forgive, you need to trust the promise that God will settle all debts. Now, that is a one time thing. You have to do that. You have to decide, I am going to forgive. But that's not all that forgiveness is, is it? The second part comes in, forgiveness is continually repenting of resentment, remembering that you trusted the God to settle all debts. Continually repenting of resentment, because that resentment comes back, doesn't it? Yes, I forgave her. Yes, I forgave him. She forgave me. Yes, that's true. And I need to repent of that resentment that keeps coming up. Now, I may get carried away and keep preaching here. I am going to try to give you guys time to discuss these things. But one of the questions you're going to discuss in a couple minutes is how is forgiveness both a single point in time decision and how is it a process? You could usefully spend probably a whole hour just discussing that. But I want to get to a couple more points before we get to the discussion questions and then Donna comes up after that to give her testimony. I want to answer the question, why should I forgive? Number one, you should forgive because it is a command, not a request. Matthew 6, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive yours. Boy, that sounds pretty clear, doesn't it? You owe a debt you cannot repay. Guess what? You owe a debt to God, number one, for his forgiveness, Colossians 2. And then you have sinned against those you love, which is what Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from sin. Can you say that? You get in that spat with your wife because you had a tough day at work and you come home and she doesn't have everything exactly the way you want. So, oh. Yeah, she doesn't have everything put together, right? But you don't have anything to hide either, do you? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. The ability to overlook an offense is the secret to relationships. And how are you going to do that? You are going to do it because you know that you have stuff she needs to forgive you for. And if you're anything like my relationship, she has a whole lot more to forgive than I do. So, 
But three, why should I forgive? You should forgive because you cannot be free until you forgive. David found this. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation, and there is no health in my bones because of my sin. David is remarking on the fact that he's not experiencing God's forgiveness at that moment. Yes, David was saved. Yes, David had a relationship with God. But no, he did not feel that because he had lack of forgiveness. And that is something that will keep you from experiencing but it's just not right. It's just not right. What she did, what he did to me is not right. Okay. I'm actually going to say you're right. And if you come back tonight, I'm going to do the second half of this lesson and we're going to talk about more about these things. But for now, I just want to hit this. Anger is an emotion indicating that some boundary has been crossed. Some type of injustice has happened, and therefore you are angry about it. Now, that, that's important. Let me get to the verse. Uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Paul is saying here, anger is an emotion. It is not necessarily sinful. But I have a question. Has anybody sinned because they're angry? Anybody in this room? <laughs> okay, most of all y'all are lying because you didn't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anger is not necessarily in and of itself a sin. Period. That's just true. There is no emotion. There is no emotion that is in and of itself a sin. But there are many emotions that it's like they've got this direct line to sin, don't they? Isn't that right? Well, and we find out about that because we learn, and this is going to be in some of your verses, the James 1 verse, we learn that anger cannot remain in our hearts unless we allow it. Unless you start cherishing it. I want to feel angry right now. I, I want to feel this emotion and the self-righteousness or the self-pity that it wells up inside of me. But here's what the author of the book of Hebrews says. Strive for peace with everyone. Don't keep your anger. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There is a correlation between keeping that anger, not striving for peace, and having the holiness that the Lord requires. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. That root of bitterness that you're nurturing, that you're feeding with your self-pity and your self-righteousness grows out. Your boss does something and now you're angry at your boss. And you come home, you've been thinking about it the whole drive home. Guess what? It's a whole lot easier to snap at your wife, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. And that's going to make it a whole lot easier to bite your kid's head off too. Forgiveness severs that root. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to take a little bit of time 
in your small group, and I have the questions. There we go. Great. Um, I would like for you guys to discuss in your group. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about these things. And trust me, I have about another hour's worth of preaching I could do, but I won't. Uh, and then we'll get up in a few minutes, go through it, and we'll have Donna come up. single point in time decision and the process is what we're going to be talking about tonight. If you come back at the six o'clock service, I'm going to be doing the second half of this. We're not going to repeat anything that we did this morning. We're only going to be talking about that. And, and it is important. We're talking about the why we should forgive this morning. Tonight, we'll talk about the how we go about it. Anybody need help with that? Amen. So now, uh, I'm going to have the most beautiful woman in the world come up and give her testimony about forgiveness. So Greg told me that if he was speaking and teaching the whole thing, I had to do the whole testimony. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> So, um, anyways, uh, for marriage to thrive, uh, there must be forgiveness. You guys all know that. Usually when they, we talk about forgiveness in marriage, it's between the husband and wife. Because when you get two sinners together, there will be arguments, there will be disagreements, um, there will be fights. And in order to endure, for our marriages to endure, there has to be forgiveness. Um, but I'm not going to stand up here today and tell you about the arguments between Greg and I. So sorry. <laughs> um, there have been plenty, trust me, um, sometimes over the silliest of things and oftentimes over very vital issues as well. But each time we've worked things out, apologies were made and forgiveness given. Because when there is an argument between two people, neither is 100% wrong and neither is 100% right. There is almost always some shared responsibility in our arguments. When I have counseled ladies in regard to their marriages, this fact is very often forgotten. Uh, they see only how wrong they have been by their spouse and how right they are, and they usually want me to validate that. I listen, I attend, and then I aim to speak truth to them, that in any argument, don't focus on how you have been wronged, but instead look for where you may be wrong and apologize and seek reconciliation. So sometimes difficulties in marriage, though, come from outside of your marriage and from someone you have not, no control over but has an influence on one of your partners in the marriage relationship. So what I'm going to share with you today is from some difficult lessons that I learned, started learning even before we even spoke our wedding vows. Um, I promised I wasn't going to get emotional, but I do. This is like 24 years ago, too, so. Um, sorry. All right. Uh, where was I? Sorry. Um, anyways, there, before we even start, spoke our wedding vows, some of these lessons came. Lessons that have continued in various ways for many years. 
can still creep up from time to time. And these lessons on forgiveness did not come because of the relationship between Greg and I. Um, but instead, Greg and his mother. It's a mother-in-law issue, which I know many of you may have that issue. And it's how it has affected our marriage. So shortly after Greg and I started dating, I met his mom. And several of you here have met his mom. She's a very tall, redhead lady and with a somewhat strong personality, too. Um, from the beginning, the relationship between his mom and I was strained. I was a very introverted person, and she was wanting me to be someone I was not and fit into her family in ways that I was not ready to fit in yet. Um, I'm not going to go into all the factors that were going on at this time in Greg's mom's life as I don't want to malign her in any way. But if you know Greg, you know that he grew up with his parents divorced. He has no memory of them ever being married. Um, and although uh, later both parents have, did remarry, there was a lot of erratic behavior growing up with, um, on his mother's part. So Greg and I continued dating and were soon engaged. Just months before the wedding, Greg's mom decided we should no longer get married and would not support us. We sought counsel from others we knew us, including our pastor, who we were doing premarital counseling with. No one believed we should wait. No, no one gave us any advice to wait. So we continued with our plans, and we got married on December 16, 1995, without his mother's support nor her attendance at our wedding. This also began a six or seven year a complete severance of the relationship between Greg and his mom. This left us with virtually no contact with his mom, little contact with his younger siblings, and a debt his mom had accrued in Greg's name. None of this was by Greg's choice, and he tried several times over years to reestablish a relationship to no avail. So what does this have to do with me? Some of you would say, and I have heard this, hey, no mother-in-law interfering with your marriage. Or now you don't have to figure out how to split your holidays. Um, but the problem was that this lady had a hold on my husband's heart, and as rightly any mother should. Um, and that part of his heart was hurt and broken. Needless to say, the first several years of our marriage, we had struggles. But some of the struggles were because a third party, Greg's mom, had caused hurt in my husband. So both Greg and I, though much, through much counsel, had to forgive his mother without her asking for forgiveness and without being able to make amends with her. We knew as Christians we had to forgive even though we were hurt that the pain and the hurt because of this severed relationship would not get better if we could not forgive. Um, I'm going to share some things though we did. Much of this was based on counsel um, of older and wiser Christians that God wisely put in our lives at the time. Greg mentioned that we have had counseling at several times, and this was one of the times. One, we paid off the debt she left us. 
Um, I had enough money in savings when we got married, so we paid it off and we were done with it, knowing that it would never be repaid and we would never bring it up again. As money is one of the worst causes of damage in relationships. We were counseled, and God has shown us the truth of this. Money is a worldly good that can destroy, but God can use it also as a blessing. Two, we prayed for her. We knew she needed Jesus in her life. Three, Greg did try periodically to reach out to his mom, to not let the relationship be completely severed. For many years, the conversations just ended in absolute anger, but we always prayed that one day they would not. Fourth, we chose to forgive. After the birth of our second son, Nathan, Greg was able to meet up with his mom. Although it was strained, it was the first time they had been able to speak to each other in six years without anger. That meeting led to another, and then to her inviting us to our house for a family barbecue. By this time, she had moved at least three times. She had divorced Greg's stepdad, and had she, she became a realtor, which she was very good at. It suited her very well. Um, for several years, our relationship was not close. We felt like we walked on pins and needles, and we were fully aware that it may not last. As several years passed, our relationship, though, continued to grow better. When things really began to change for myself and my relationship with her was after my mom passed away. My dad actually quickly became lonely, and he sought to start dating, dating using the Internet. Uh, one of the people he asked to date through an internet dating site, unbeknownst to my dad, was Greg's mom. <laughs> so she, uh, she quickly figured out it was my dad, and although they did not date, they did exchange several emails, and they started a friendship. And, even, and he even brought her groceries one time when she was sick, and he cared for her in several ways. Um, God used this to help bring both of our families, though, together. It felt healing to know that Greg's mom was now welcome in homes of my family, as well as my family was welcome to come to her home as well. So today, how many years later, 20, almost 24 years later now, I call her mom. And she openly welcomes Greg and I in her life. Um, she trusts us. She appreciates how we raised our children. She appreciates the ministry that we do and our marriage. She even has us both listed as the executors now on her estate over her other two children. She also has shared with us pain and regret of many things in her past, although never really mentioning the years we did not speak. Forgiveness in this circumstance did not come from admitting wrongdoing, nor apologies, nor working things out. It was forgive giving forgiveness when it was not asked for, and no sign of wanting to be forgiven was ever shown. Forgiveness was staying open to having a relationship in the future, and forgiveness was really showing her the love of Jesus. This isn't on my notes, but uh, 
I was here and a lady came in for counseling one time and some of these stories came up and she, by God's grace, praised God and, and brought some healing to her life. The next year at the women's retreat, uh, she gave her testimony, which another woman at our church then realized, I need to make things right with my dad. She flew across the country, forgave him, even though he didn't ask for it. He repented, became a believer, died very soon after that. And then somehow that came back to Donna, and she told me, and I thought, you mean all that crap was worth it? (laughs) Praise Jesus. You know, God uses our pain. Listen. When the world is going well for you, you get the promotion, you have a beautiful house, you got a Ford F-150, V8, nice long bed at the... Oh, sorry. (laughs) The world doesn't care. They don't care. Because you being happy or healthy doesn't mean a thing. But when life is tough, when you and your spouse are struggling on some important issue, or you have mother-in-law issues, and you still trust Jesus, you still go to Him with your pain, you still acknowledge the fact that He is sovereign and He is good, that is when the world notices. That is when the world sees God's greatness. Uh, I want to run through this. What is the cost of forgiveness? The forgiver always pays for the offender's sin. Donna coughed up one-ninth of my first salary, my first full-time job salary. She paid one-ninth of that salary in one check to get rid of that debt. Why? Because we were never going to get that money, and it was only going to be interest, and credit card interest at 21% or whatever it is. You're going to pay. You pay for forgiveness. Why? Because you got to take the hit and swallow it and smile. It hurts. Anybody who tells you forgiveness doesn't hurt is lying, and they're trying to sell you something. You must, God pays for your sins and you must pay for those who sin against you. Secondly, the cost of forgiveness is you forfeit the right, quote unquote, to revenge when you forgive. You don't get to hit back. You don't get to be nasty. These are the things we're talking about tonight. Come back and we're going to fill out this And the, the sign that you have forgiven, the sign that you are now walking on this process, this road to forgiveness, there is one sign that shows that you are on this road. You pray that God will bless them. 
The way you know you have begun forgiving. This is not the totality of forgiveness. This isn't all of what forgiveness is. But the way you know that you have started down that road, God bless them. God save their souls. Not just God make them say they're sorry. No, that's not it. God Build into their lives. Heal their broken heart. Show them how they can take the next step to know you better. Because as they know you better, they will love you and trust you more. That is how you know you have begun this process. And by the way, by the way, that's true for the idiot who cuts you off or doesn't know how to use the roundabout. God, bless that person with a good driving instructor. (laughs) There is a cost of forgiveness. You will pay that cost. It does cost, and it's sometimes quite painful. But what is the cost of unforgiveness? Frankly, you will not be forgiven. If you have the kind of heart that won't forgive, you are very likely not forgiven at all. Secondly, if you are and you will not forgive, you will be like David in Psalm 38 who didn't experience God's forgiveness. When you hang on to that vomit, and you just want to go, ooh, I want to play in that vomit. Yeah. You're not going to experience the cleansing, purifying grace of God. You won't experience it. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved, but you might not be. Secondly, if you will not forgive, assuming you are a believer, assuming you have trusted the promises of God for you in Christ, then you will bear more pain. It just hurts. And that's why Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. John Bunyan, in his most famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress, talks about the fact that that Christian has this load of sin. He's carrying like it's manure. I mean, just imagine you have 300 pounds of manure in a bag on your back. Stinks. Heavy. Weighs you down. But what did he do? He came unto Jesus and he let it go. Because Jesus' load is easy. I want you guys to talk about these questions I have. Uh, the, sorry, the, they're on your sheet. They're under each one of those things. Um, and I want you especially to notice when it gets down to what kind of payments. I want you to be careful because there's going to be several answers to that question. What kind of payments are necessary for forgiveness on a human level? Go through these questions and we'll wrap up in a minute.
All right, one minute. Again, this is, a, this is a lesson that I give over two or three different sessions when I'm doing counseling with people. So it is totally impossible to talk about all this in just one hour. So I, I really do invite you to come back. If you're able to come back tonight, 6 o'clock, and we will, talk, we will continue the discussion, not repeat the discussion. But we'll probably ask for forgiveness for people who start talking to people at other tables while I'm up here talking. <laughs> You know, that might be something we need to forgive. <laughs> but I do want to mention one more thing before I close us. I want us to remember forgiveness is a one-way street. Forgiveness is a one-way street. I choose to forgive the person who offended me. Forgiveness is primarily between you and Jesus. Forgiveness is primarily about this relationship here. Now, if you choose to forgive, if you start walking down this path, then you are going to hope for and would love to have reconciliation. But reconciliation is a two-way street. Reconciliation is, I offer forgiveness to you. You receive that forgiveness. You ask for forgiveness and receive it from me. And it's this two-way street. Just because you forgive somebody does not mean you're going to be reconciled. That's where Romans chapter 12 gets. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. But it doesn't only depend upon you. So let's pray and continue to pray for our marriages and our own forgiving hearts and we'll continue tonight. Lord Jesus, I do pray for my brothers and sisters here and I ask that you would give us grace. Your power to accomplish your kingdom purposes among which and very important in is this understanding of and practice of forgiveness. Lord, every person in this room has people to forgive, near ones who have harmed us that we need to forgive. God, I pray that tonight, today, you would cause us to open our hearts to you and ask you to show us who it is we need to begin that process of forgiveness with or continue the process of forgiveness with and do it. And Lord, I pray for our relationships with our husbands and wives and help us to love them and to be loved by them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. Praise Jesus.